0: Thank you that you've put us on this earth and that you've given us your spirit so that we may live lives that glorify you. Lord, we know how short we fall of those standards you have for us, but we do know that you are changing us and that you are making us to be like your son. That you are our faithful God and that what you have started, you will complete in the end. And so let your name be glorified. And Lord, as we open your word now, teach us, Lord. May your spirit himself teach us what we need to take note of. And then help us with the power and the ability that you give. To put what we hear into practice. So once again, you will be glorified. And when we live lives like this, the world takes note. And they say, God is alive. And they will glorify you. Lord, do your work, we pray. Amen. I'm sure you've all heard of the great escape where those British prisoners managed to tunnel underground for quite an extended distance and quite a few of them escaped during World War II, some to fight again, others not, but they escaped. And you know, there's a great escape in our Christian lives that is very alive and well. And that is the great escape of hearing and thinking Don't you tell me what to do, because then you're being legalistic. It's called the legalistic great escape. And what it does is it takes away from us the responsibility of living as we should before God. And we use that escape clause. And so what God's word wants to do for us today is to say to us, no, no, I've given you my word. Now go and do it and I will give you the strength and the ability to do so. So let's go and see what God says about hearing and doing, putting into practice what we hear from God's Word. And I'm reading once again from Luke chapter 6 in our studies through this book. And we're in verses 46 to 49 this morning. Luke chapter 6, verses 46 to 49. This is Jesus Christ himself saying this. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I tell you? Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when a flood arose, the stream broke against that house and could not shake it because it had been well built. But the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who who built a house on the ground without a foundation. And when the stream broke against it, immediately it fell. And the ruin of that house was great. Matthew says it came down with a great crash. A man stands in front of a Coke dispenser. It only sells Cokes. And he puts in his $2 coin and he presses the right button and guess what pops out? A Coke. And so he looks at it and he says, I really wanted a Fanta. So what does he do? He takes out another $2, sticks it in the machine, presses the button. What happens? He gets a Coke. Coke. And this time he looks at the Coke and he throws it on the ground and he says, I really, really wanted a Fanta. So what does he do? He takes out a $2 coin, puts it in the slot, presses the button. What does he get? That's the definition of insanity. It is. It's doing the same thing over and over again and waiting for a different result. But you know, a lot of times in our Christian lives, that's exactly how we live. We come before God's Word. We sit under His Word. We read His Word. It says, do this, do that, and your life will change. And what do we do? We don't. But we expect other results. Now, we could end the sermon right there and go home. But I know you want more. So I'll carry on. You see, the question we have to ask ourselves is has anything changed in your life? Since last week's sermon when Dave was up here preaching, has anything changed in your life in this last week? All right, let's take it two weeks back. Two weeks back you heard a sermon, you've been reading God's word, hopefully at home too. Has anything changed in your life? Take it back a month. Take it back a year. Has anything changed? in your life. Are you still struggling with those same spiritual issues in your life, those same bad habits that keep tripping you up? You see, this morning what this scripture says to us is disobedience could be the cause of that. It could be. You see, what Jesus has been doing in this passage we've been looking at up to now, and remember we're right in the middle of, this, of his sermon And today we're at the end of it. He's concluding it. He's been teaching us how to show mercy to people around us by doing specific things. And it comes from a heart that is full of mercy. Jesus said, if your heart is merciful, then be willing to be unfriended, to use today's terms. Be willing to be unfriended for Jesus' sake. If you're on Facebook. Be willing to sacrifice comforts and rewards, if needed, for the sake of the gospel. If you've got a merciful heart, then show a merciful attitude when wronged instead of insisting on your rights. If you've got a merciful heart, then don't hold on so tightly to those things you own. If you see someone else in need, give away. Hold loosely to what you own. If you've got a merciful heart, then show love in return when you are hated. If you've got a merciful heart, then have those logs in your lives removed by God before you judge anyone else for the same issues that you've seen in your life. In other words, Jesus said, bear healthy fruit. In other words, there must be an outward evidence of an inward process that's been happening. And so Jesus asks this question, has anything changed in your life? How does he do that? He says this, verse 46. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and you do not do what I say? You see, Jesus had been preaching the sermon. He'd been teaching his disciples. He'd been speaking to crowds in the synagogues. And he had a lot of people saying Lord, Lord to him, but he didn't see that much obedience. And so he preaches the sermon and he ends it with this crunch line, this hook. And he says, you call me Lord, Lord, and yet you do not do what I say. You keep going through the motions of calling me Lord, Lord, a title given to someone that we look up to, someone we see ourselves as being subservient to, someone who we owe our allegiance to, and yet you do not submit in practice to me as Lord, says Jesus. In other words, to put it in our vernacular, it's all just words. It's all just words. It's a bit like our kids in the homes. Now, I'm not pointing at any kid in particular here now. But it's like our kids in our homes, you know. You tell them, I need you to tidy your room. Yes, Mum. Yes, dad. I see you all lifting the eyes with me. And you go back half an hour later and it's all tidy, isn't it? No, it's not. And so you say to them, I asked you to tidy your room. I want you to do it right now, please. Yes, mum. And you go away and you come back ten minutes later and it's still not done. And what happens in us? We get irritated, don't we? But what do we do if it continues? We have to discipline that because that is disobedience. And there's not much difference between that and not obeying what Jesus asks us to do, you see. Now, God doesn't get irritated with us because God can't do that. But God does teach us. And it is an obedience issue. You see, this wasn't a new problem that Jesus was bringing up to the crowds. They knew exactly what he was speaking about because the nation of Israel way back had been addressed about the very same issues Ezekiel chapter 33, verse 30 and 31, this is what God said to Ezekiel about the people. He said this, he said, as for you, son of man, now that's Ezekiel, your people, Israel, who talk together about you by the walls and at the doors of the houses, say to one another, each to his brother, come and hear what the word is that that comes from the Lord. Right, that's good. And they come to you as people come, and they sit before you as my people, and, this is the problem, and they hear what you say, but they will not do it. And they go out from hearing what you've said, for with lustful talks in their mouths they act, and their heart is set on their gain. It's an old problem, you see. The people knew it. And sometimes I think we think that if we just listen to another sermon, and if we 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 might just hear something in the next sermon which will allow us to opt out of doing what the previous one said. Or if we just carry on reading God's Word, we might find something in God's Word which kind of cancels out what we heard previously and we don't have to do those things. And so I'll read on. But you know, we have to look at the attributes of God now. Does God change? No. Malachi 3, 6 says, I am the Lord, I do not change. So, no, you can't get out there. Does truth change? No. Psalm 100, verse 5 says, His truth endures to all generations. So, I'm sorry, you can't get out there either. Is God going to change His truth just for your sake? No. Sorry, can't get out there either. And so, what is the best to do? Just do it is what Jesus is saying. And that's his point in verse 47. He says, everyone who comes to me and hears my words must act on them. You see, hearing here means doing. If you hear my word, do it. And then he tells them two very powerful parables. And he paints these pictures, word pictures for them of two guys building houses. All right? And the houses they build are their lives. The, the, the parallel is you're building your life, right? We, I'm sure we get that. And Jesus says, I want to tell you a story of two people who built houses. The one person was one who heard and then acted. And the other one who built their house, their life, was someone who heard, but they didn't act. And this is what it looks like, he says. This is the one who hears and acts, verse 47 to 48 in your text. He's also called the wise man, if you look at Matthew chapter 7, verse 24, which is the parallel passage. The man who hears, let's look at this person. The one who hears, they tune in. How do they tune in? They tune in with their hearts. They hear the truth, it goes into the ears, sinks down into the hearts, and it convicts the heart. That's the one who really hears. It's not just words. That this person hears with their heart and it leads to action. It's not like those airline safety briefings. For those of you who've been on airlines, you get on the plane, you strap yourself in and then that pretty lady or the the handsome guy, they get up there and they start going through their perambulations. That's what I call it. It's kind of blah, 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 because you've kind of heard it before, haven't you? And so you kind of look at your movie or whatever and they're doing their thing. You know, when the plane really goes down, you should have listened because it's really important. Well, sometimes we've got this approach. We've got this approach when we hear that person up there is the talking head. Here he goes again, blah, 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 blah. My heart's tuned out long ago. Is your heart tuned in today? God says, hear with your heart. It takes active participation. So as you're listening today, some of you might be taking notes. You might be one of those. You can hear by taking notes. Other of you might need to listen intently. And if you were taking notes, that would distract you. But are you listening? Because, you see, we need to come before the Lord with a soft heart. That's part of listening. Lord, I'm not just here to come to church today. I want to hear your word. Make my heart soft, Lord. May your spirit do your work in me and work in me today, Lord. We need to pray, Lord, change my heart today. That's the listening I'm talking about. Not just listening the words. And then we are to act. You see, what Jesus is speaking here about is to act in a specific area in your life. You might hear something specific about your life that you need to change today. God isn't saying to you, change your whole life today. He's saying, in that area that I'm bringing to your attention, my spirit needs to change you. Are you willing to be changed? In that area only. You see, if we start looking at our whole lives, and I know my life, it gets a bit overwhelming. Because I know there's this to change, that to change, this to change. I haven't got enough fingers. And so God says, I will change you one area at a time. But we need to act on that area. You see, if we listen and act, that's called obedience. And it builds moral fiber in us. When the storms of life come against us, we've got truth that's settled in our hearts and it's taught us how to react, how to act in life. But if we just casually listen to God's word, you will note in your life constant failure. You'll be up and down like a yo-yo spiritually. And in the end, it will build a stony heart in you. That's what it does. That is the danger, you see. So we need to hear and act. So what does this builder look like? Here's this guy building his house. He gets out his spade and he starts digging down and he finds sand. And so he digs down further and he finds clay. And he digs down further. I'm in Wanganui now, right? And you dig down further and after a while he finds rock. And it's taken a lot of sweat and labor, but he's found rock. And so he starts sinking the pillars of his life down onto that rock. Because he knows if, I, if he puts the pillars of his house down on that rock... It doesn't matter what happens, it will stand. Do you get the picture? He digs deep, it takes hard work. And the very same for you and I. If we want our lives to be stable in the Lord, we need to dig down in our lives and find truth. We can't just go on the shallow route. We've got to dig down until we find truth and then we need to act on that truth. And that is putting a brick on solid ground. And we carry on building in the next facet of my life. And so we build our lives on the rock. The rock of truth. The rock of truth of the Lord Jesus Christ Himself. And please hear me if you don't understand this yet. It is only by grace that I am saved, right? And it's only through God's grace that I am allowed to build my life too. So yes, it's all of Him. But it's also of me. Working. And we're going to come to that. Right at the end of the sermon. And so this man digs down. And he builds this beautiful house. And I put a little picture there. It's quite small. And there's this beautiful house. And then the storm comes against him. The storms of life. You know what those things are. Adversities. Trials. Temptations. Bereavement. Sickness. And you might even be facing death, those trials, the storms of life. And you know, some storms come gradually, they rise around you like floodwaters. And then the word he uses here is, some of them come suddenly. And the word he uses is describing those little desert trickles. When you go walking along in a dry place, especially in the land of Israel, you'll see dry riverbeds. But don't be fooled and go camping in those things because as soon as rain falls somewhere in the hills, suddenly that river will come down and it will flood out whoever's there. It comes upon you very suddenly. Big boulders come in that water and anything in its way is swept away. That's what he's talking about. You see, sometimes adversity comes against us and you least expected it from the direction it comes from. You didn't expect this and there it is. How will your house stand? says Jesus Christ. Is it on the foundation of truth and of Jesus Christ? Otherwise, it won't stand. And here's this man, he's built his house, and the storms come against it, and it bursts against him. Jesus says the house stands firm. This builder's never let down, you see. He receives grace in the time of trial. Because his house is built on truth. And it might even be the day of judgment. But still he will experience the grace of God. You know, have you ever thought about that? If your house is built on the solid foundation of Jesus Christ. One day when you stand before him. And this world is now finished. You are standing before him. You will still be standing on that solid foundation. Because he has built it. And you will stand and experience the grace of Jesus Christ as He speaks to you. Have you thought about that? But it takes the right building now while we're on this earth. And then there's a second man. Those who hear and don't act, says Jesus. He's also called the foolish man in Matthew chapter 7, verse 26. And here's the picture. The foolish man hears the words, but he doesn't act. He doesn't place his full trust in what he hears. He rather trusts in his own shallow foundation, that shallow foundation of changeable human wisdom, that shallow foundation of experience, the shallow foundation of untruth, of partial obedience, of complete disobedience. That's what he bases his life on. And so here's this man, get the picture. He doesn't bother to build. He finds finds a nice bit of ground. And he thinks, well, this will be good. And he starts taking bricks and he starts just building a wall right on the sand. And he goes up with those walls and it looks real nice. And he puts flash windows in, beautiful doors, does a good paint job. It all looks good. But the storm clouds gather as they do in life. It's called the test of life, isn't it? And as the test of life comes in against this house, what happens? It comes in against those walls, and the rain starts pelting down, and the water runs in, and it starts eating out under those walls. And it starts eating out under everything nice that the man has the put there. And the paint job still looks good, but the walls aren't very good anymore because there's holes now. And what happens after a while? It falls flat. It falls flat. And this is the way it's described in Matthew chapter 7, verse 27. And great was the falling of it. In other words, it comes down with a tremendous crash. You see, Jesus is speaking about believers here. He's not speaking about unbelievers. These are two types of Christians. Those who obey and those who disobey. This is the one who's disobeying. Life has come against this person. And yes, he might say, I believe in Jesus Christ, and I've given my life to the Lord Jesus Christ, but I've never lived an obedient life before Him. And now it comes home to roost, you see. They've got no truth that their life is built on. They've never studied God's Word. They've never looked at, how do I react in these situations? How have, how have I trained my soul to stand up when things come against me? And how have I done that from God's Word? They've never looked at God's Word. But they're a Christian. And so their house comes crashing down. And you know, in that person's life, it is a devastating moment when that happens. And in unbelievers' eyes, when they look at that person, it's devastating for them too. If that's a Christian, how come they're reacting like that? Is that what Jesus does for you? I'd rather not be a Christian. You see the testimony? It comes crashing down. And this is what Jesus is speaking about. Is this your picture? Are you an unstable Christian? Are you recognized as such by unbelievers? You see, there's only one of two. You're either a wise builder or a foolish builder. There's no third option. It's one or the other. And that's why at the door I've put those two pictures. And when you walk out today, there's only two exits. You've got to go past those pictures. And you need to ask yourself, am I a wise or a foolish builder now? Not what I want to be. What am I now? Am I wise or a foolish builder? Five points of application and then we're done. And it, does, it sounds a lot, but it's not. Listen to it. It's really important. First one, are you building on Jesus Christ today as you sit here? The reality. Are you building on Jesus Christ Listen to these words from Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. You see, not everyone who professes to be a Christian, not everyone who professes to know the Lord, has a real experience of salvation. And you may have been active in this church or any other church, and you may even be active in a religious organization of some kind, a parachurch organization, but if you are not saved by grace, and if you haven't put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, You have no foundation to your life. Hear the truth from God's word today, please. Come to Jesus Christ today. You are living on the empty shell of a religion. Come to Jesus Christ and receive life. Receive a true foundation to build on. And do it today. Secondly, there's a difference between knowledge and obedience. And don't miss the point here, it's Jesus' point. You see, the point of the Christian exercise is not to gain knowledge. Both men knew how to build a house, right? It's not to gain knowledge, but it's to practice obedience. And unfortunately, many of our churches are filled with what I call fat cats. We get and we get and we get and we take in, but it takes exercise to practice what we've done. What we've heard, we need to be exercising what we've heard. Are you a fat cat this morning with regards to your obedience before the Lord? You see, many Christians have a superb knowledge of the Bible. They love hearing the teachings of the Gospels and they sit there in sermons or they might read in the word and they approve of all the doctrines that this church teaches. And they are sent and they give head knowledge to all the teachings on justification, sanctification, repentance, faith, conversion. Yes, and they can even give you a definition of all those. But it never goes past the knowledge to actual practice. Are you one of those today? Because if you are, you are living in disobedience before God. You are following the whims of your own sinful desires and you are usurping the authority of Jesus Christ in your life. May your knowledge become heart knowledge. And that equals obedience. Thirdly, there's a choice to be made today. You're either a wise builder or a foolish builder. And so the first question you've got to ask yourself is, Am I rooted and built up in Jesus Christ? Colossians 2.7 Am I rooted in Christ? And am I being built up in the Lord Jesus Christ? And so I'll make this really practical for you. What areas in your life have you built your life on sand? Are there areas in your life? What about some short term issues? Let's look at a few. The way you react to people. Bearing grudges when people say things you don't like. And you may have other examples that immediately pop to mind. Those are short-term things you've been working with. If you haven't got the right reaction, the godly reaction, the godly fruit, then you are building your life on sand. And you, yes, you're a Christian, but that area needs attention. Or maybe it's long-term issues, real bad habits you've been struggling with your whole life long. Or maybe repeated failures in specific spiritual areas. You've been battling with them. Are you building on sand? Bring them before the Lord and have them planted on rocks. Start digging down to reposition your life on truth. The word says it, do it. You see, if you don't act now, when difficulties come against you next, and they will come, and instead of glorifying the Lord, you will desert Him in that aspect of your life. And your testimony, the testimony of your house will come crashing down too. The fourth point of application is this one. It's never too late. You see, Satan will bring across you this lie. And listen up. This is what he says. You're too far gone, mate. God can't help you anymore. This is too much for God to forgive. This has been carrying on too long in your life. Forget it. Just leave it in your life. Well, that's a lie. Because 1 John 1 verse 9 says this. If we confess our sins, do you know the verse? If we confess our sins, He, that is Jesus Christ, is faithful and just and He will forgive us our sins and He will purify us from all unrighteousness. I don't see any exclusion clauses clauses there. And so when Satan brings that lie across your way, say to him, get behind me. I know what the Bible says. I hope you do know what the Bible says. So come today and Jesus will help you to plant your life on the rock, on truth. And then last point of application, you are not on your own in this process. You are not on your own the Trinity is involved with you. Do you feel encouraged? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit are involved to help you to build your life on truth. Do you think you can do it now? Man. Do you think you can get anything done in your life with the whole of the Godhead working with you? Ah, there is a reaction. Great. You see, what does 2 Corinthians say to us? 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18 says this. And take courage in this today as we end. And we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into His likeness. You are being transformed into His likeness. You're not perfect yet, by the way. You are getting there with ever-increasing glory which comes from the Lord. That's God who is the Spirit. There's the whole Spirit trinity involved. You are being made into the image of Jesus Christ. The Lord is helping and the spirit is involved. And then lastly, Philippians chapter 2 verse 12 and 13 says this, and this is where you and I have a responsibility. Yes, it's all of God. He gives you your salvation. It's all of God. There's nothing you can do to save yourself. Only Jesus can do it in your life. But it's also all of you. You must cooperate With God in that whole process. How do I know that? Philippians chapter 2 verse 12 and 13 says this. Work out your own salvation. With fear and trembling. Why? For it is God who works in you. Both to will and to work. For his good pleasure. In other words. Be an active and an obedient participant. In your sanctification. As God continues to change you. Be a wise builder. And as you leave these doors today, I pray that the Spirit will either give you comfort or He will make you so restless that you go and do something before the Lord today and have Him work where He needs to work in your life. Are you a foolish builder or a wise builder before the Lord today? Let's pray. Lord, our Heavenly Father, we thank You for the truth of Your Word. And and yes, Lord, sometimes the truth is uncomfortable. And it makes us squirm because we know what our lives are like. But Lord, we also know the comfort from Your Word, that You are an all-sufficient and an all-powerful God. And that You work in us with the whole Godhead. And You are turning us into the likeness of Your Son. You are perfecting us. And one day when we stand before you, we will be perfect. And Lord, we look forward to that day. But in the meantime, Lord, help us to look at those aspects of our lives that need to come under your Lordship. And Lord, help us to deal with those as your Spirit changes us. Help us to be obedient to your Word as your Word points out very specific areas in our lives that you need to still work on. Help us to be active in that, Lord, and to give you the glory as we see you bringing the change. Be glorified through our obedience, we pray, as we call you Lord, Lord. May it be truly from our hearts, and may it show from our lives too, we pray. Amen.